walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the ring. Back at you. With an apron bump and with a progress apron bump. Progress Chapter 12, titled, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Room. And I don't always bring up the titles of these chapters a lot of times because I don't understand uh, the references. <laughs> but this one is very clear. We're gonna need a bigger room. Can you guess why, folks? Fucking one of my Dora the Explorer in this bitch. They get a bigger room in this chapter, everybody, in case you weren't aware. The Camden Electric Ballroom. It is uh, their debut in this venue, the first outside of the uh, garage in Islington. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, hardest part of the ring, it's just a different venue. What difference does that make? Well, apparently a fucking lot, because if you watch the first 11 chapters... And then you watch this one. It is a stark difference, like an, an incredible increase in production value on this chapter. I know that doesn't provide you uh, a podcast listener, a lot of value, but just take my word for it. OK, or, you know, sign up for I Demand Progress and watch these along with me. Why don't you? So that was a, uh, a big takeaway from this show. And it's important not just because it's easier to watch. Not just because we can hear the promos finally, not just because we can see everything now, but it's just a, a symptom of how fast progress is growing at this point, even though they're only roughly two years in. But um, just to set the scene, we set the scene in the podcast, so I won't harp on it too much here. But basically, chapter 12, we're in March of 2014. We are in the middle of Jimmy Havoc's Reign of Terror as progress champion as he defends the staff in the main event of this show in a no DQ fatal four-way match. Uh, also on this show, we crown the first ever progress tag team champions. And if you're following me just a few episodes ago, I covered the ROH show unscripted where they crowned their first ever tag team champions and they got shitty little trophies in ROH in 2002, but what do they get in progress in 2014? Something even stupider. Uh, <laughs> what else do we have on this show? We have the uh, second 
natural progression series it's kicking off with a uh, great match between Zach Gibson and a Will Ospreay. And just to add on to that, we just in this show see more of the stars of today. As I record this in 2021, we see a lot of stars today begin to be crafted back in 2014 and, and continue to evolve into what we see them as today in WWE, AEW, NXT, whatever it is. Oh, and also on this show, we have somebody's balls on the line in a match. Someone's balls, testicles, no, not, not like, you know, soccer balls, cricket, cricket balls. Their testicles are, they're all on the line here. Uh, so a lot, a lot going on in this show, but couldn't have a better guest to cover all of these shenanigans than Callum from the Ringsiders Wrestling Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Hoochhausen, and you can follow Ringsiders at Ringsiders Pod on Twitter. Really, really good dude Callum is, and a bunch of good guys over there at Ringsiders. Lots of interviews, lots of really, really good interviews, including a lot of wrestlers from uh, Progress, both modern day and from this era that we're covering here. So he was a perfect fit for this episode and a perfect fit for this podcast, as I know after recording with him. So really great time with Callum. And yeah, go check him out. Go check Ringsiders out. And hey, while you're here, why don't you check this episode out here? Let's get to it. Progress, Chapter 12, with myself and Callum from the Ringsiders podcast. You've interviewed like a lot of Progress guys, right? Yeah, we have actually. And um, we've actually just had a, a contact from Progress asking if we'd like to do an interview series with them. So oh, really? um, we'll be speaking to a lot more Progress talent, hopefully, in the, in the coming weeks. So, right. yeah, quite excited about that. And when you said, let's talk about progress, I thought, brilliant. Um, I didn't get yeah. to go to that show, but um, I did have a couple of people that I know, like Nathan Cruz, one of my best friends. Um, so really? he, was, he was on that show. So, yeah, I was being, I've been speaking to him about it. Um, but, yeah, just happy to be on, man. <laughs> That's awesome. So you said you're, you're friends with Nathan Cruz? Yeah, yeah. I actually started training with him. Uh, I used to yeah. wrestle. Uh, we're both from the same town. And, yeah. Uh, we both went to training together. That's how come I know him. Uh, actually, before, as we're recording now, this is yeah. Jamie, who I do ringsiders with, is just stood in the doorway looking a bit menacing. Uh, he, just <laughs> wants, he just wants to say hello. So, What's up, Jamie? Here we go from a apron bum. Hey, What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Making a run in. I love it. Yeah, a little run in from the Red Wolf himself. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you boys there. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll talk some progress. Hell yeah, man! Nice to meet you, brother. You too, man. <laughs> man, everyone wants part of it, huh? Yeah, everyone wants in, man. Um, but yeah, Nathan, really good guy. Uh, we always knew he was going to be a star. Uh, like yeah. even even back then, he had like there was just something about him where you could tell he he just got it. Like out of everybody, it was a class of maybe 20, 30 people. You just mm -hmm. knew Nathan was going to be good, and it was no surprise that he ended up in progress and. I think a lot of people forget he was actually progress champion as well. The first ever. The first, first ever. ever progress champion when they had the staff. That was Nathan yeah. Cruz. So a lot Absolutely. of people forget that. Yeah, it's weird because I've only I'm only familiar with Nathan Cruz based on what I've seen from him um, in my chronological watch through. So one through twelve, and I, I've even said on my podcast that he he stands out. 
for sure. Yeah. Like he's a lot of progress up to this point. At least it's been very uh, not comedy, but it's been like kind of banter and it's been a lot of fun kind of stuff. But Nathan Cruz stands out as a guy that like really takes it seriously. Like, yeah. like one of the best true heels they got at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. He's never tried to be the cool heel. He's always wanted to just be hated by the crowd. And right. he'll do anything he can. He always has done ever since since I first met him. He's always said, I just want to be hated by the crowd. I don't care about like getting a good reaction. I just want to be hated. And yeah. I think he does a really good job. And I'll be honest, it's a shame that he he's had tryout matches in WWE. He's wrestled the Usos in a tag match. He had a matching NXT versus Elias. But mm -hmm. I always thought NXT UK could have been a good place for Nathan Cruz. There's still time. Who knows? Right. But, yeah, yeah, I still think there's time because, I mean, we just saw Rampage show up and yeah. it seems like there's people debuting every week. So I, I would, if I had to venture a guess, I would say we see him at some point. We'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, well, shit. I, I, I planned on spending like 30 minutes shitting on Nathan Cruz to start, but I guess we can't do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> there's always time ever, right? to shit on Nathan Cruz. <laughs> So uh, you, I'm guessing, so you, did you follow progress kind of from the beginning? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it kind of came at a time in the UK where we were going through like a little mini boom period in wrestling where right. we were transitioning from maybe having one or two companies in the whole of the country to mm -hmm. there being a, a company in every city. And yeah. progress was the one that standed out. Um, you know, it stood out from the rest. We had a company called One PW, One Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, they had guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. So that was where everybody went. But when right. they died, it kind of left a, a space at the top for a new company. Mm -hmm. And Progress really stood up. And instead of bringing in the imports, they made some homegrown UK talent. And that's what yeah. always appealed to me about Progress is we're actually making our own stars. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, because we were... Rightly so, we were relying on the US talents, but Progress always made homegrown talents, which I think has been their strongest yeah. point, even to this day. Yeah, and I've noticed that they use very few, like like they brought in Adam Cole one time, and like yeah. here and there, I think Samoa Joe and Matt Riddle, they come in and out. Especially for like the Super Strong Style tournament, they'll always bring in imports, which right. I think is the selling point of the Super Strong Style tournament. It's bringing in the guys like Kyle O'Reilly. Last time I went, Kyle was was there, and he was part of the Undisputed Era at the time, which was cool. Oh, uh, yeah. But other than that, I mean, they've, they've got their own homegrown talents in their own right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's kind of like the the beauty of watching it at this point. So Chapter 12, they're I think in the middle of 2014 or something. You can kind of see a lot of those future stars getting built because, I mean, like you said, Nathan Cruz, we have, um, I think the next show has Pete Dunne on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rampage Brown here, like a bunch of guys, a bunch of guys that like that didn't end up in the best spot, you know, in hindsight. But uh, still, you could you could see the, the beginnings of a lot of that. What here. you on Rampage Brown, uh, like from what you've seen of him, because uh, to, to us, he's always been one of the, the top guys in the country. What's it like for you watching him, you know, stateside? Yeah, no, I was uh, I was unfamiliar with him until um, I started watching Progress. But I like him. I mean, I like the he just embraces that he's just a big dude that hits people really hard. Like he doesn't try to do anything too fancy, but he really embraces who he is. And he has a presence about him. You know, he doesn't talk a lot, but he yeah. still has that like he'll look at you like that kind of like Samoa Joe kind of deal where he can just look at you in a way it'll like chills down your spine kind of deal. Yeah, definitely. I get that. He's got a very 
Samoa Joe vibe about him. He doesn't need yeah. to speak, but when he does, he's a good promo too. I'll give him that. But mm-hmm. I think he lets his in-ring work speak for it. And I, I really, going back to even Nathan, I mean, they were one of the top teams in the UK. Um, yeah. Him and Nathan Cruz. So that's something I'd like to see again in the future. But yeah, Rampage. I, we've always liked Rampage here in the UK. Great guy. He's not from far away. He's only come up the road. Uh, right. So he's always been quite local. I've been lucky enough to see him at the shows I go to. But I think from in progress, especially this chapter, rewatching it, mm-hmm. um, even from the very start in progress, he was kind. You kind of knew he was going to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He quickly made a name for himself and another few, uh, former champion in his own right. Um, but this show here, Chapter 12, it is titled We're Gonna Need a Bigger Room. And that is because is their debut in the Camden Electric Ballroom. Mm. So a huge upgrade in production because, you know, just for context, from what I've seen, it's been very like not terrible quality as far as like video and stuff, but it's definitely like independent. Like it had that kind yeah. of darker underground kind of feel. But this chapter, you had the bigger arena. But you also had, you know, better lighting. You had better video quality. It just looked cleaner. Um, even the audio was better. Like you could hear the promos in this yeah. chapter before. It was, and you couldn't really hear anything. Um, so they're, they're quickly like you, you could tell progress is making a name for himself very quickly because they're quickly improving everything that they're doing. Yeah. Like I said, bringing in all these names already. Lots of good stuff there. That was one of the things actually that stood out you know, saying like they stood out from the rest of the promotions. Yeah. 99% of the companies in the UK had that same issue of production. You couldn't understand what anybody was saying. They didn't have Mm -hmm. uh, lighting or anything. They wouldn't have an entrance ramp. People would just come out of a door. Right. Very (laughs) low budget. Uh, So progress really like set a new standard for production quite early on in their tenure. So I think, yeah, like you said, really good production and, the ballroom, if you ask me, it became like their signature place. Uh, when you think is of progress, it? you think of the ballroom. Uh, I've only been once, but it's a small venue, but there's a, there is an atmosphere when you're there. Right. It feels big. Like, you know, yeah. spatially it's smaller, but they have, they have the, the balconies and all that. It feels like there's something to be said about like that, uh, that intimate setting, but just there's the energy. It's in like it the, is what matters. the ECW arena, for example. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's not the biggest arena, but I'm sure anybody who's actually been to a show there, it must feel amazing. Yeah. Her Hammerstein ballroom, things yeah. like that. It's yeah, that's great. And that really can affect how a show is for the viewer, I think. Um, and just to set the scene here. So we're in the middle of uh, Jimmy Havoc's title reign. Yeah, just uh, beautiful stuff. What did you think? Because I'm, I'm all, I've only seen you know three chapters worth of it basically. Um, he won it in chapter ten, defended it at eleven. Now we're here at twelve, where he's defended it again. Uh, yeah, what did you think of it? Personal opinions on Jimmy aside, I right. really do think this title reign is one of the best title reigns in British wrestling history. Mm-hmm. I and I'm, there's been quite a few good ones, but especially in progress, this might be the best one. I think the character work, the promos, the the matches, yeah. and everything that led to Jimmy's heel turn eventually was just magic. Everything just worked. Right, yeah, because British wrestling, it, it's never been an issue of the quality. It's always, you know, what's going to suck you in and make 
a crowd return to kind of see what happens. Yeah. And I think that Jimmy Havoc thing is what kind of sparked that that storyline element of it, the, the the narrative element of it. Because they already had they had great wrestlers showing up. They had great matches, but the Jimmy Havoc things put them on a different level. Yeah, I think. couldn't agree more. He had some great feuds as well during his reign. Uh, you know, yeah. everything just worked. And we hadn't really had anything like it before. There was the heel characters in British wrestling at the time. I know I'm speaking like it was years ago, but it, this this kind of stuff is still quite new to British wrestling, having these characters which you'd only really see on American TV. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like this really good nuanced character like Jimmy Havoc. He had a backstory to him and right. all of his promos were great. So it was, to us, it was quite new. And I do believe he had a, during this reign, a really good feud with Will Ospreay. Um, I think that's coming oh, yeah. soon. Yeah. So that's to look forward to. But yeah, really good stuff from Jimmy. And it's a shame I didn't get to see too much of it in person. Uh, but yeah, it, at the time, I think he was one of the hottest prospects in British wrestling. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Threatening to uh, slit people's throats, threatening to set people <laughs> right? on fire. Yeah. Just normal wrestling stuff, and you, you know? know? What? I believed him. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah. When he said these things on, on his promos, I actually thought you might actually be a psychopath. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and it turns out he is a bit of an asshole. So, yeah, well, you know. he is. <laughs> Does that enhance or you know diminish watching it back? I don't know. But uh, so uh, we have that going on here. We have the beginning of the second natural progression series, and we also have the crowning of the first ever progress tag team champions. Yep. And uh, it's funny because I also do a timeline on Ring of Honor and I I just witnessed the first crowning of the Ring of Honor tag team champions and they got uh, shitty little trophies, Christopher Daniels and Donovan Morgan. So I was like, well, progress is going to do something better than that. Nope. (laughs) Nope. You know, some people liked it when it first debuted. Yeah. And I didn't. I I thought it just didn't work for me. Uh, some people yeah. complained when they brought in actual tag team championships. Mm-hmm. I, I think they look great now, but it should have just been that from the start. I, did, I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, because they already have the uh, the staff for the world title. And for the tag titles, they got two halves of a shield. It's good. It's good stuff, I, right? I get that when you put them together, you know, oh, it yeah. makes a shield and yep. two parts of a team. No, nah, it's not for me. Um, <laughs> And I didn't even like the staff. I didn't like the staff as the world championship. It, yeah. I, if I'm if I'm the world champion, I want a nice belt. I don't want a staff. You know that looks like something from Indiana Jones. I want, you know, a belt. <laughs> you don't want to hold it up, all <laughs> yeah. you know, like I've conquered. It's <laughs> how long do these these prop titles last? Uh, the tag team championships, I believe, last for another few years at least. Wow. Yeah, I think it was only around 2017. That they actually switched the belts. Yeah. The staff, I believe, they changed sooner because uh, a lot okay. of people were complaining about the staff, but it's still another year or two for that. Right. Well, I'll enjoy it while I can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, so this first match opens up with Paul Robinson versus Tommy End, aka Alistair Black. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been joking for the past few chapters that, man, at least I get, I get to watch Aleister Black wrestle here, even though he isn't on WWE at all. And still saying it. Still saying it. Yeah. But, uh, man, these are like, 
because Aleister Black's currently one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul Robinson is a guy, another guy I wasn't familiar with until I started watching these back, but he's quickly becoming one of my favorites as well. So it was, I was pumped up to see this match. Um, Really, I mean, it's just two kickboxers kicking the shit out of each other, which is, uh, I'm not going to complain at all about that. Robert is really good. Like, I think a lot of people think, look at him and think, uh, he looks like he's going to steal your bike. Um, You know what? (laughs) He might do. Um, but he's a really good wrestler too. His team with yeah. Will Ospreay as the Swords of Essex, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is just genuinely, what you see of Paul Robinson in the ring is Paul Robinson in real life. Yeah, like, I've met him a few times and there's literally no difference. Um, yeah. I, I spoke to him at Progress Show and he was like, uh, he was covered in glass, covered in blood after this death match. And he just goes, oh, I'm up in five hours for work. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got a, is a decorator or something like that. And I was like, you're going to show up to work covered in blood, you know, glass sticking out. Oh, your yeah. head. That's like, a hard oh, one yeah, to explain. It's just a normal weekend for me. I was like, yeah. right. So he really is exactly what you see, which kind of makes me more interested in him as a wrestler. Right. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love Robert. Oh, yeah. Used to. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Alistair Black, yeah, Tommy End. Awesome, awesome guy. You mm-hmm. know, I I don't think at the time we realized how good he was until he right. became Alistair Black. I know everyone always liked him, but, but when he became Alistair Black, I think that's the best work he's done. And, yeah. you know, even in progress, he, he saw signs of what he could be, this future star. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think WWE have fully realized that themselves yet. Um, hopefully they're beginning to. Will. Yeah, um, they got the vignettes going for him, so hopefully they, they have Yeah, they but then something. he also sat in a room for two months before with people yeah. knocking on the door, so I've got no faith. <laughs> <laughs> you but, didn't like him sitting in a closet waiting for somebody to bring him yeah, out of it? Waiting for someone to <laughs> knock on his door. Yeah, what a weird concept hey, for a few we got but, We got Black versus Cesaro out of it. Yeah, we did. And that was it. That was it. That was but it. we got it. Uh, <laughs> I quickly I figured it out. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy for about four months. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah. It's over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> Going yeah. back to this match, I actually really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. what surprised me is I don't think the crowd did. There wasn't much of a reception for it. Yeah, it was a weird vibe because, like, a lot of this show, it felt like the crowd was kind of trying to hijack it, mm. um, trying to get themselves over more than really, like, you know, surprise, embracing surprise. it. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, like, I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised. That's, like, a very common thing with progress. But uh, it's, it was specifically noticeable in this show. Um, it wasn't as bad as in this match as it was in a later match, but um, we'll get to that. But yeah, I liked it. It was very, it felt very short. Like it couldn't have been more than like five or six minutes. Yeah, I think it was, I wrote it, I wrote it down actually. Uh, oh, yeah. Five minutes 30. <laughs> oh man, I was almost there on. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was an opening match, you know, it was kind of just to get the crowd warmed up. But I feel like this could have easily been a main event too as well yeah um and it was funny you know you, you talk about how tommy and you know he only got better and he really kind of is at his best right now and that's so true because i've been watching him you know chronologically and you can even see like in these few months that he's been in progress he's already been evolving whether it's physically or in the in the ring um but yeah you can definitely tell he has more room to grow to where he is now but he's, he's still great even back then he's just got presence about him like yeah, wherever he is, he's got a presence about him. Even when he was in, I don't know if you've seen his work in a PWG in the Battle of Los Angeles, some oh, great right, matches. Yeah. But even then, 
he, you could just tell he was a future star and I still mm-hmm. hope he is. Because um, if you ask me, I think he's a future world champion in any promotion. Easily. Easily. You don't think is uh you don't think it's hairy nipple syndrome? Hairy nipple syndrome. Hinder- yeah, the crowd was chanting hairy nipples at, I didn't uh, hear at that. Tommy End. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first one of the first chants. Hairy nipples. I'm gonna watch so, that uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> there there was a lot of chants in this show. A lot of them were very British, so I might need to get you to explain them to me. Oh god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good match here. Uh ends with a uh Black Mass, followed by a Brain Buster, followed by a double stomp from Tommy End. So he gets the win here. And I think he, I believe he's undefeated at this point. So hopefully they got yeah. some good plans for him. Like I said, it was just a weird match for me with the crowd. Yeah. I, I think it's maybe because I'm judging by both of the performers what they'd be like now if they had that match. But yeah. back then, I think it's, was it 2014, 15? It was two yeah. very different wrestlers. And I don't think the crowd really knew what to expect from it but yeah good opener very good opener yeah but uh speaking of not knowing what to expect this next match <laughs> oh, oh god yeah grado versus madman manson i'll let you take it from here oh um <laughs> i i've never liked grado um yeah i can't never say been I a fan either. of his work uh, Right. Madman Manson personally is one of the funniest wrestlers I've ever met in my life. Yeah, um, I think he's he's very underrated, but I've never been a fan of Grado, so I, I wasn't happy to see a Grado win here. It was uh, it was a dream match, some the, may say. The entrance was messed up as well, wasn't it? The the I think they, I think they cut him off. I think they yeah. like only showed like the last bit of the entrances in this show because it was the Madonna um, entrance yes. theme. And I know they had legal issues with that. So, yeah. um, (laughs) They're trying to pull an ECW and just pirate music and hope nobody notices. Yeah, Yeah. I remember (laughs) there was a back and forth exchange with uh, Grado trying to get permission to use Madonna's song on Twitter. And it didn't end too well for him because he just got told, no, you can't use it. But Mm. I believe they still did use it for a few shows afterwards. Right. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What's <laughs> exactly. Madonna gonna do? <laughs> Madonna versus Grado. That's the match we all we all need. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um there is there is high stakes in this match, though, to be fair. It is uh it's a title unification match. It is uh Grado's bum bag versus Madman Manson's balls. What you got for us? I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you I'm say, sh- really? I, I feel like I'm missing like an inside joke here, but I didn't even bother there to, isn't, to look there at isn't or an is it. Just... Inside joke. I, I, okay. If it was an inside joke, then it would be, you know, a, and I'm glad you called it a bum bag, gave it its real name instead of a fanny pack. Fanny pack, um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm learning, yeah. I, I've never got greater, and I liked Madman Manson as a wrestler, but it, I think what they hoped would happen is this will be a great comedy match for the Progress crowd. Because like you mentioned, Progress used to be a lot of comedy. Yeah. And this really just fell flat for me. I It wasn't a bad match. It, no. it was just a nothing match. Yeah. it. I feel like it got more time than the, the opening match. It did. No? By, yeah. by a good margin as well. It, it This this should have had five minutes. Give right. Paul Robinson and Alistair Black 12 minutes. Yeah, it's... 
like you said, it's a comedy match. I, I feel like Grado is a little too on the nose, if that makes any sense. And Madden Manson has a little bit more nuance to him, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's all silly. It's all silliness, but it's like and not to like look too deep into it. But like, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the reason. This but, is um, one of the matches where when I was watching it back, I, I, I watched the start and then skipped through bits of the match just to see if anything <laughs> happened. And I was like, oh, no, I... I don't know what it is about Grado. I've just never liked him. I'm sure yeah. he's a nice person, uh, but I've just yeah. never liked the character. I think it's his hat. It's, yeah. Anyone that anyone that wears a snapback like that is automatically a douche in my eyes. Yeah, I thought you were going to say a cap, and I was like, okay. I'll just, uh, <laughs> no, you 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 got it right. It looks right on you. Grado looks like it doesn't belong on him, and he wears it to the side, and it's all like This is flat. true, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't like snapbacks in general. I, I yeah. They just remind me of edgy gamer teen people and yeah i'm sounding like a right millennial now but um, yeah, yeah <laughs> i just i just don't like snapbacks <laughs> no i can't say but uh the match is what it is they do i'll tell you what popped me and i i hate that it popped me is that uh some uh, madman manson is on the second rope he has his back towards the ring grado gets up there to like german suplex him off the second rope but then the titanic music plays Celine Dion, my heart will go on. Yes. You know what? I'll give you that as well. That is yeah. funny. Uh -huh. And I think it would only work with Grado doing it. Outside of that, yeah. And the ref, you know, they're just up there doing the Titanic pose. The ref has none of this. It says, quit the lollygagging and just German suplexes them. Yes, the ref German suplexes both these guys off. Um, Grado gets hit. So, or Madman Manson hits Grado with his bum bag, and uh, Grado gets color busted wide oh. open, <laughs> busted open off a bum bag. He uh, <laughs> Grado has a, a packet of ketchup. He opens it and uh, just squirts it on his face, like like all kids used to do when we wrestle. It's just a lot of nonsense in this match. Um, but then the finish comes, I guess, with uh, Grado hitting the rock bottom. Followed by a stone cold stunner, followed by a pedigree what for the one, two, three. Because uh, I completely forgot that Grado was a, a move stealer at one point. Like, what did you think of this whole Grado stealing moves? It made sense to me. Like, it, it seems like that kind of per like Eugene used to steal moves. Yeah, not to compare them, but like, you know, I'm kind of comparing them. What I think it was is like we have these. Um, there's a company in the UK called All Star Wrestling. And yeah. they're very family-friendly shows. Like, they do all of the camps and stuff like that in the UK. And it's right. mostly children. And what they do on those shows is you'll have, like, your top baby, baby face using all of the moves you see on WWE. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this was Grado's way of taking a shot or referencing that kind of wrestling, that family-friendly wrestling. Because mm. uh, whenever I used to go to these shows as a kid, you'd always see, like, one of the wrestlers using the attitude adjustment or... The rock right, bottom, yeah, and yeah. everyone would go crazy. Um, so I feel like that's kind of what Grado is doing, which got a chuckle out of me, but just a very weird match in general. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really all it came down to. He's just trying to make the crowd laugh. So it's like, hey, yeah, let, it let me steal these works. moves. Maybe it I'm just fine. a pessimist. I don't know, but you like your true wrestling. You, true want, you wrestling, want more wrist yeah, locks, hammer locks. <laughs> yeah, I'll NWA. AWA, all yes. that kind of stuff. That's me. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after this, we get a, something a little bit more serious. A little bit. Uh, Natural Progression Series, the first round. We have Will Ospreay 
accompanied by Paul Robinson, his tag team partner, versus Zach Gibson. So Zach Gibson was on, I believe, the first chapter, and he was it was very young. He was a very young Zach Gibson. Like he had long hair, yeah. clean face, and he was, you know, not a heel or anything. He was just like a plucky underdog kind of guy. It was so bizarre to see him back in like what was it, 2012, 2013, whatever the first yeah. chapter was. But um over the years. He's uh he's here now and I, I I think it's it's yeah it's middle of 2014 and he's very you can see the glimpses of what he is now he has hair here like a short haircut but you can tell it's like a haircut it's like you can tell why he shaved his head yes <laughs> it's, it's escaping him very quickly but uh yeah it was fun to see a young Zach Gibson here and he already has a good amount of heat with the crowd too but I guess that comes with uh Liverpoolians I believe you call them right that's it Liverpoolians yeah oh okay um, so. That with Zach Gibson uh, is around this time he wrestled for New Generation Wrestling, which is our local promotion, um, and he was actually the champion of NGW with his long hair, you know. And yeah. he's another guy who, when he was at NGW, you thought it's not going to be long until he signed with WWE. You just knew right. he was that good. And looking now, he's in NXT doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a tag team at the time with Sam Bailey who's a wrestler from Manchester and they were both just fantastic you can tell Zach Gibson has always been a tag team wrestler but I feel like this match for me proved he was also a great singles wrestler because I did actually make a note here this was actually my match of the night I just thought this match was fantastic yeah no it was really good this is the match I was kind of alluding to when the crowd really hijacked especially in the beginning yeah really really just like in the first few minutes and then they, they finally got the crowd um at some point there were a lot a lot of chants that i couldn't really i don't know if this is me the american right down do you have any uh chance that you need explaining or anything i'm telling you i didn't even understand what they were saying there was a um what was it where's my hubcaps because i guess Uh, the pool's not a great area is that a is that a thing definitely is what your hubcaps stolen But uh, yeah, they do not like Liverpool. But the match, like you said, it was a great match, even though the crowd was pretty rabid uh, throughout. Uh, you got both guys hitting their major moves. You have Gibson hitting the ticket to ride. Uh, it's an exploder off the top rope. He you know, locks in the Shankly Gates submission. And you have uh, Osprey being Osprey. Um, definitely more of a high flyer at this point in his career than he yeah, is now. He, white meat baby face at this point. He, oh, know, yeah. He's even though he had a great heel run too, um, you can just tell that it was around this time that Will Ospreay was just booked everywhere in the country as that baby face because all he did at this point was flip. And, you know, that's all people knew Will Ospreay as. I know know he's evolved into such a great rounded performer nowadays, but back then all people knew Will Ospreay for was flipping. Yeah. (laughs) The crowd loved it. Fucking flip, I believe, was the chant. Yeah. But yeah, awesome match. A great, a great heel finish too. So uh, Zach Gibson put you know he rolls up Osprey. He has his feet on the ropes, but uh, Paul or uh, yeah, Paul Robinson comes in to uh, stop it. Knocks his feet off the ropes to save his partner. This distracts the ref. The ref is dealing with Paul Robinson. This allows Zach Gibson to hit a low blow, followed by a Tiger power bomb, and then a PK, and then uh, a. A submission of some sort. I don't think it was Shankly Gates, was it? It was no, just another it armbar. It was like a Fujiwara armbar yeah, or something. Yeah. But, but whatever I it was, it worked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it worked. Uh, Will Osprey <laughs> taps out surprisingly, 
and Zach Gibson gets the win here and moves on in the natural progression series. Uh, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed the match. Um, Did yeah, you think, you think that Will Ospreay was going to win this match? Because watching it back, I couldn't remember who won. And I thought Will Ospreay yeah. was the obvious pick to win. But I was happy to see a Zach Gibson win at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I fully expected Will Ospreay to win because he has had a ton of momentum. He had a lot of great matches with uh, Mark Andrews at this point. And um, Mark Andrews won the first natural progression tournament and he was able to pick somebody to be in the second one and he picked Will Ospreay. So I thought that was kind of a foreshadowing to Will, you know, at least making it to the finals or something. Yeah. But um, I I love seeing Zach Gibson get the win here and kind of solidify his character because I think he's, he's a great tag team wrestler, but I I love the singles work as well. Do you think he'll get a singles run in WWE? I, I hope so. He, he was, I was kind of surprised when they put him with James Drake, I guess they were a tag team previous to that so it makes sense and maybe he wanted it maybe they wanted it but i thought he had a lot of momentum because he won the first or the the second uk tournament they had he had a title match and he had a ton of heat you know the (laughs) take your shoes off if you hate gibson all that stuff do you know what the worst thing is about that chant um we had nxt uk come to our hometown in hull and i've never realized how bad it is but when they say take your shoes off if you hate gibson everybody takes their shoes off and it's such an awful smell when <laughs> there's maybe a thousand wrestling fans all simultaneously yeah. take off their shoes. And I was like, oh my God, it honestly, not great. If you ever have to be there when that <laughs> chant happens, hold your nose or something, it's terrible. Yeah. Wow. I did I'm not, not even, even kidding. That. It was awful. <laughs> I, I fully believe you. Wrestling fans, they don't, they're not known for their foot hygiene. No, not, we're not so. known for hygiene. <laughs> not a, <laughs> that makes it all the more better yeah I, I hope it makes a return um but yeah big big gibson guy uh at least i hope him and drake get a tag team title run at some point because i think they're the best tag team in wwe like yeah. the whole the whole wwe right now it would have um, been great to see them versus the revival yeah yeah i see them getting compared a lot but but yeah that's a that's a dream match mm-hmm. for sure absolutely but another tag team match after that, we have a street fight. The Bangra Knights, the team of RJ Singh and Daryl Allen versus the London Riots, the team of James Davis and Rob Lynch. This was a, uh, this was a car crash match. That's, that's pretty much all I can <laughs> it, It's It's a car crash match, and it, it wasn't a bad street fight, but it made me remember how much I didn't like the London Riots. Not even mm-hmm. because, you know, like, through heel heat or anything. I just didn't like the London riots. Uh, mm-hmm. They did nothing for me. Um, they, they were one of those teams that would go up and down the country where if they were from London, they'd usually get a positive reaction. If they were anywhere else in the country, they'd get the biggest heat ever. And, you know, yeah. for me, I just didn't like him. But I've always liked RJ Singh. I, he's, he's a very, very underrated talent. Yeah. I spoke to him recently, actually, in an interview. And... He's just such a nice guy, and he's he's still doing training and stuff. He still teaches people. I think he'd be a great pickup for the performance center in the UK. But yeah. looking back at this, I always thought he was going to be a bigger deal in progress. He ended up becoming a commentator, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, he seems like he has a ton of charisma, and he's really good Very in the ring. So I'm I'm yeah. surprised he didn't really amount to too much more. Great than this. baby face. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because he started out as a heel. He yeah. pretty much did the whole Bollywood thing that every Indian person seems to do. But like, always happens. The, yeah. the crowd didn't want to hate him. They 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 loved him. 
that the ethnic submission, I'm a big ethnic submission guy. <laughs> yeah. Always kills me when he does it because it's so true. Um, what did you think of this match? Did you, I know we said it was a car crash, but was it one of yeah. those where it's a car crash, but you enjoyed watching it or was it just, yeah, you... it's, it's funny because these type of matches, I, I, I have, I struggle to like keep my attention on it when it's just weapons, weapons, weapons. There were some fun spots here. You had like stop signs, you had kendo sticks, umbrellas, you had cricket bats, you had uh, keyboards, which prompted a good uh, keyboard keyboard warrior chant. Can I just say as well that the cricket bat might be the greatest weapon ever used in a street fight because I know baseball bats and stuff hurt, but have you seen a cricket bat before? They're, I have not. Cricket bats. We don't have those heavy. here. <laughs> are they They're just heavy pieces of wood you know like I, I picked up a cricket bat before i never played because it's a boring sport but right. um <laughs> yeah they, they're a great weapon so I, what i'd like to see more of is cricket bats and street fights it to tell me this is cricket is cricket just baseball but it lasts several days yeah you right <laughs> on the money there it lasts yeah. seven days takes years off your life and it's just the most boring sport you'll ever watch in your life, apart from snooker. Yeah. <laughs> what, s- snooker? Yeah. Have you played snooker before? No, I've never heard of snooker. Tell me all about snooker. Okay, so snooker is pool. Have you played pool? Yes. Yeah. So snooker is basically pool, but with more balls and lasts as long as cricket. Is this just a sex fetish you're trying to, uh, yeah, un- that's to reveal to me right now? <laughs> all these balls, yeah. <laughs> so basically what i'm saying is british sports are very boring right <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll take soccer from you guys it's fine we'll, we'll enjoy that you can yeah, have soccer I, I don't soccer care. What, do you, what do you think of me calling it soccer hey you know what a little fact for you it was actually the british who called it soccer was it now yeah we actually gave it the name soccer um but that's when the americans start to adopt the sport but it, a lot of people blame the Americans for soccer. It's actually us. We called it soccer, so it's our fault for giving oh, it such you heard, a stupid You heard name. it here for, for first, folks. It's <laughs> their fault, not if ours. If you don't believe me, you can Google it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Guess I'll call it football from now on. Foosball, yeah. <laughs> they, they bring out some hubcaps in this match, which followed up their where's my hubcap chant from the last match, and then there's a there's my hubcap chant <laughs> And this one, so love the continuity here. Yeah, that got a pop out of me. (laughs) That's long-term storytelling, if if I've ever seen it. Oh, man. But Rob Lynch here, man, he commits an atrocity in this match. He takes a fan's beer, and he, like, spills a little bit of it on Daryl Allen, but then he spits in the beer and hands it to the fan that he took it from. Can you imagine that happening in 2021? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> with the pandemic going on, spitting in someone's beer and giving it back to them, you'd be instantly cancelled. Those are going to be the new heels of, yeah. of the next decade. It's just a bunch of unsanitary blokes. Yeah, and that's going to that get, instant get heat. huge heat. That yeah. is already planning that. Oh man, <laughs> COVID twenty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be COVID like Dominic Dijakovic. He's going to have a different mask. And he's going to have that Dijakovic. Yet yeah, brilliant. Dijakovic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that, but man, that's man. I hope he doesn't hear this because that's going to yeah. be on Raw next week if he does. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have that. The fan throws beer in his face. Like I said, just a lot of weapons. There was a really fun spot here. It was kind of almost botched, but it's. It was, I still liked it. 
So one of the uh, Bangra Knights is on a cor- one corner. I believe it was Daryl Allen. Hmm. And one of the riots chucks him towards the middle of the ring. And then the other riot spears him out of midair. He almost threw him too far, which I did not see coming. That's just, I don't know if that's how strong the riots are or how small the knights are. But I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, it's a bit of both. That may be, <laughs> <laughs> that's a match made in heaven, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, the London riots hit their finish, the uh, double power bomb, the district line, they call it. And that gets them the win. So, like I said, it's a car crash, but it was it was fun for what it was meant to be, I think. I did like that name for a finisher, the district line. I, right. I thought that was good. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, I, I think it was good. Like the weapons that were brought were weapons that you don't usually see in street fights. Yeah, that's what I took away from it. Like you said, a keyboard and stuff like that. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think it was. I don't know if it, it's not the kind of match that would have worked in progress a few years later. Um, progress became very serious very quickly. Yeah, like the a lot of the stuff we see on this show and we're talking about right now is stuff that progress just abandoned a few. Well, not many chapters later. So really? while you're reviewing these things, make the most of these comedy segments because right. <laughs> some of the shows in the future are just so serious, you actually beg for a comedy segment. <laughs> you know what? I think Madman Manson and Grado gave you enough comedy to last me a decade. So. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it, it was... I should mention, though, this match did have a, uh, a solid backstory to it because the London riots uh, are kind of the, the left and right-hand men to uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. So they're kind of tied there. So that's another source of their heat as well and these guys had a regular tag team match a few chapters ago but it like they fought to the back and they didn't return so the match kind of was a no contest so it was made a street fight and um that's kind of all tied into jimmy havoc's initial heel turn when he beat up the banger knights i believe or some of the baby faces Mm -hmm. along with jim smallman so what do you think of uh jim smallman in general i mean when you're watching it back uh seeing jim smallman who was the shoe owner of the company what do you think about him opening the show and coming out after most matches to introduce? Because that wasn't, I always thought that was cool that Jim run the company, but he was so hands-on with right. me doing the MC work and actually introducing the wrestlers for the show as well. What What do you think of that? Yeah, I think he did a great job. Like you said, it, it showed how hands-on he was and how much he gave a shit about yeah. the company and that, that he wanted to be a part of it. So I, and he didn't he didn't have too much of a presence, which is good. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't try to make him too much of a character, even though he did get himself involved in some of the Havoc stuff. It all made sense when he did become yeah. a part of it. So I, I like his involvement. Yeah, thus the, far. the fans, the fans loved it. I uh, loved yeah. Jim Smallman. Like I did Super Strong Style 18, I think it was. And that's mm-hmm. a three day tournament. And by the end of it, you're absolutely drained, you know, because it's a long day. Yeah. Um, but Jim was the one who kept everybody hyped. And right. like by the third day, people have been drinking every night during the day. They're absolutely yeah. wasted and hungover. So the fact that Jim Smallman managed to get everybody still interested just showed how good he was at doing his job. And to me, right. progress just hasn't been the same since Jim left. Right. Because yeah, he left. When did he leave? He left uh, about a year ago to start with oh, NXT yeah, so UK was... full time. Right. Oh, so he's with NXT UK. Yeah, he's a producer at NXT UK now. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's good. That's good to see that he was able to move on to yeah. something like that. I'm happy for him. I, I just think the heart of progress was Jim Smallman. Right. Yeah. Between that and them losing all of their stars to NXT UK. It's, yeah. 
it, it's tough. It's tough for progress in the modern day for sure. Um, but we're here now. We have uh, the the shields are on the line. The first ever progress tag team championships. This is the uh, the finals of a, a tournament that spanned a few chapters. It is a triple threat match. The team of Project Ego, Martin Kirby and Chris Travis versus Screw Indie Wrestling. The team of your buddy Nathan Cruz and Mark Haskins versus FSU. The team of Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. This might be. This was the best tag match of the night. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, Chris Travis, obviously, um, mm-hmm. rest in peace, Chris Travis. Um, he's somebody in progress who he'd have been a huge deal. Like, yeah. Unfortunately, with what happened with Chris, it's such a shame. Uh, but this match just showed how good everybody was. Um, Martin Kirby is now retired too. Um, is he? Yeah, Martin Kirby retired. Uh, so it's good to watch this back and see Project Ego because they were such a good tag team. Absolutely yeah. love Project Ego. Uh, you could, they were real life best friends and teamed together for so many years before. Mm-hmm. Um, used to have what you called the click in British wrestling, which was El Ligero, Bubblegum, Chris Travis, and Martin Kirby, all right. four real life best friends. And it really shows whenever they're in a match together or teaming how good they were. And when, when you throw in people like Nathan Cruz, uh, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant match. Uh, what did you think of this? Because I know it was, there's quite a few teams in this match, but do you think the yeah. right team won? Um, I think so. So, well, first of all, it starts out with uh, Catherine Rose. You a big Catherine Rose fan? Catherine Rose? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was British Vicky Guerrero, ultimately. Yeah, that, that's exactly why I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's, the crowd was brutalizing her, so they do the whole thing. Screw indie wrestling. They have Catherine Rose. Is it Catherine Rose? I believe that's her name, right? Yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? Um, so <laughs> she's introducing Nathan Cruz and Mark Haskins, or at least trying to. But the crowd is booing her. Like like I said, just like Vicky Guerrero, like similar to the heat she would have when just her beginning to talk would prompt a lot of boos. Um, but this is the UK, so they take it uh, a step further. And there's a take your tits out chant. <laughs> oh, that's, that's I, a rough one in hindsight. Huh? I really hate British wrestling fans at times. <laughs> this isn't even that. I mean, I guess it's like seven years ago, but still, I feel like it's recent enough to where that's a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's a like a right thing. on the line. I, yeah, if that happened nowadays, I'm sure we'd just stop the show or say like, you know that you, you or you'd stop the match and say so. You've got to stop saying that. You can't say that kind of stuff. But back in them days, right. seven years ago, everybody was chanting it. It's just right. such a weird, <laughs> such a weird chant. And I think it would only happen in British wrestling. I can't see that happening in the states. Yeah, I mean it happened in the states, but you know, in the nineties. In the nineties, <laughs> so. yeah. Right. We, it took us another 10 years to catch up. Right. I mean, I guess WWE had Kurt Angle calling Charmel gutter slut and stuff. They, they, you know, they weren't perfect in the States. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that or anything. But uh, yeah, man, then you have FS. By the way, what does FSU stand for? Yeah, I, I actually cannot remember. Let me just... <laughs> FSU. Like, no, nobody seems to know. I've asked a few people it was, and I keep forgetting to research it. I... They re-teamed again at a progress show I went to years later. And I remember even thinking then, what did FSU like, stand uh, for? And you know what? I've just Googled it now. I can't even find an answer. 
<laughs> Nobody knows. I think they're just doing it to fuck. It's like CM Punk. Yeah. You know, everybody right. everybody well, has their idea of what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Chicago MF, right? Sh- sh- yeah. <laughs> or Chicago Made. Or, you see, we don't even know. We don't I even always, know. It could it, be Cookie Monster Punk for all we know. That was the leading theory for a long time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, I can't find it. It just says FSU, Mark Andrews, and Eddie Dent. It doesn't actually say. It's a mystery, but it's it's funny to see them teaming here when in modern day NXT UK, they're feuding with yeah. each other. So it's cool to see like the, their backstory, kind of the foundation being built here. And then you go all over to NXT UK. It's where they've, over the years, have transferred to that. So I, that, I do actually yeah. like the, the fact that in NXT UK, they do reference the history in progress. Yes. You know, they're not afraid to say, like, these two did team at one point. They were friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, they're not. I, I just think I, I'm really enjoying that feud with them, actually, because you can tell, again, oh, they're yeah. real-life friends. So usually if you're good, you are good friends with somebody, you also make good enemies with that person, too. Great chemistry. I, I actually do absolutely. like their feud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this match, so it's, it's a three-way tag match. It's six guys in there. It's a, what, a 16 by 16 ring. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be a clusterfuck. That threw me off, actually. When I was watching it back, I forgot how small the progress ring used right? to be. It's, yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if it's even 16 by 16. It's right. It's such a small ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, you have six guys in there. All are like very fast paced. Uh, maybe high fast paced is a weird way to describe it, but it, the match was fast paced. Absolutely. Everybody, it seemed like it had a certain cohesion to it while um still there's a lot of action going back and forth you have six guys you have guys some guys guys fighting on the outside some on the inside you have double team moves you have there's a spot in there where like everybody does a move on somebody like one of those things and then everybody's down at the same time so you had those those crazy spots but ultimately it was a really fun I'm 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 a mark for tag team wrestling and i think these guys did it well in this match yeah completely agree and to be fair Looking back, I think the right team won because it was mm-hmm. it was it did pick up the crowd, and this was to me the most involved the crowd had been yeah. up, up to this point. Like you said, they were hijacking the show, but it wasn't necessarily in a bad way, apart from that one chant. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> Oh God, I forgot about that already. Like that's that's a bad chant, but right. yeah, it's. If you have, if ever you get to go to a progress show, and I kind of feel bad that you you might not get to experience this kind of progress, right? Because um, yeah. the the progress we get now is kind of a watered down version. Um, hopefully, after the pandemic, if you ever do get to go to a progress show, I hope you do get to experience this kind of crowd. Right. I would love to. That that's one of my goals to, <laughs> to travel over there and watch one of these because it seems like a great time. Just a bunch of drunk assholes watching wrestling. That's basically that's the best. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just uh, Britain in general. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so Team FSU gets the win here with a uh, next stop driver from Eddie Dennis, accompanied by a, a stomp from Mark Andrews. I love that double team. Really yeah. love that move. It's such right. a good double team. Um, yeah, I, I really forgot how. I know Mark Andrews is good now, but he's he's always been great. I know he had like a yeah. short stint with TNA and stuff, but Man he, Andrews, he's he's always been good, and I'm happy to see him doing well for himself now. I think he's mm-hmm. he's another guy that should maybe be on two or five live or in NXT. You know, like main yeah. brand NXT. He easily could be. He would definitely fit in there 
that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so FSU gets the win here, and they, of course, they have each half of the shield, so they do the spot where they're holding it, and they, the, the the mega powers, like, and they put it together, and then, so I guess every team will do that from now on. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the next match, and this, I love the next ooh, match. I bet you do. We have Doug Williams versus Dave Mastiff. Yep. It's, uh, it, it was fun watching Dave Mastiff, uh, kind of hang with Doug Williams from a technical wrestling right. standpoint. That's that was one of my takeaways from this is yeah. He's a great big dude, but he's actually a good wrestler too. And especially for a guy who is basically built like Otis. You know, he, right. <laughs> but then again, even Otis is a fantastic wrestler. He is. So he is very underrated. It's just something I think. about short, stocky guys who are actually good at technical wrestling. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Dave does Dave Mastiff have like an amateur wrestling background? Not that I, know I know Otis does. Not that I know Maybe it's of. just I a British. It, it's just um, yeah, you'll find that a lot of British training schools do actually just train shoot wrestling from day one. So they'll yeah. they'll teach the uh, catches catch can style and do like back-to-back, uh, more like a jiu-jitsu kind of training. So you yeah. find that a lot of guys do actually just excel when it comes to this kind of technical work. For sure, yeah. But uh, so, but before the match, Nathan Cruz and Catherine Rose come out to watch because I believe it was the last chapter. Uh, Dave Mastiff, there was like a fatal four-way or a tag match of some sort where uh, Dave Mastiff and Nathan Cruz were facing off against each other and uh, Catherine Rose got involved, and I believe Dave Mastiff like teased a power bomb of some sorts to Catherine Rose. He did something to her, so she's looking for revenge, yeah. I guess. Um, but that brings us, you know, to the first half of the match is a lot of technical wrestling, chain wrestling, really fun to see. Um, but then Catherine Rose gets in the ring, and <laughs> Dave Mastiff grabs her, and she's again teasing to like power bomber. But then Doug Williams grabs her. And then teases a uh, like an exploder suplex or something. So they're both like taking turns. Like, oh, I'm gonna slam her. No, I'm gonna slam her. <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah, <laughs> Catherine Rose is having a bad time in this chapter. I'll, I'll say it that. Um, but ultimately, uh, Doug Williams gives her a headbutt to the ovaries, followed by a knee lift, followed by a power bomb. I believe, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Something along those lines. And then Doug Williams. So, so Catherine Rose is out of here and that doesn't really factor into the match after that. So it was a weird, it was a weird interlude to this match. But. Yeah. I don't think it needed to happen, but it did get a pop out of the crowd on myself. Um, like yeah. you said, the fact that they were just teasing, doing moves on her. I was like, they're not actually going to do it shortly. Right. Um, they did. <laughs> yeah. I expected maybe a slam, but nope. Doug just pounds her with his head and Brutal. Uh, kudos Brutal. to her for taking, like, for taking it, because at this point she, you know, she hadn't done much, I guess, in ring, but she, she definitely right. got involved. So, uh, um, yeah, that's interesting because women's wrestling isn't a thing in progress at this point. No, I don't know when, because at, at, at a certain point it becomes a big thing with like Tony Storm and Ginny and like, all the NXT UK people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as of now, there have not been any women's matches. I don't believe. Um. But this is the last half of the match. It was a little bit more hard hitting, um, a lot more strikes, forearms, suplexes, uh, traditional stuff like that. Uh, ultimately, Dave Mastiff hits an exploder suplex onto Doug Williams, followed by a shotgun drop kick into the corner, and then the cannonball into the corner. 
always looks beautiful mm-hmm. for the win. Dave Mastiff uh, beats the legend Doug Williams here. Um, I really enjoyed this match. How, how does Dave Mastiff make that move look so devastating, but not actually hurt somebody? Yeah, I, I don't get uh, it. As close to a cannonball as you can get to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the, room, the margin for error must be microscopic because he's a yeah. legit like 350, 400 pound dude, I'd say. Something and like that. He's yeah. throwing himself into the corner at you. It looks beautiful, but I've never heard of him actually hurting anybody from it. So just shows yeah. how good he is. He he propels himself because people will see like Kevin Owens do it which it, it still looks good when he does it, but it's more of like he rolls into them. Dave Mastiff leaps and just can't, like I said, he, he just propels himself into his opponent. And it always looks brutal, but like you yeah. said, I don't think anybody's ever gotten hurt doing it. Yeah, love Dave Mastiff. He's a, another guy I would like to see uh, step up like the NXT UK Championship. Yeah, uh, I think, I believe he got an opportunity like right before covid if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe you're right. I I think he I think he did. Uh but he's a guy who I could just see having another good match with Walter at any point. He yeah. he seems like a natural pick to face Walter at this point because really who's gonna stop Walter? I, I can't think of anybody on the current progress roster or even the NXT UK roster, unless they ever want to bring up Karen Noir to NXT UK. Mm. I, I can't see it happening anytime soon. So I'd just be happy with another Mastiff match at this point. I was thinking about that because really, if we look at the NXT UK roster, they have, as far as the people who haven't faced them yet, Ben or Nathan Fraser yep. is one. Um, I, I mean, that'd be a great match. It, it's hard to imagine him beating Walter. Um, I was, I would love to see Alistair Black go over there. Mm. He rekindle his UK wrestling. Oh. But it seems like they have plans for him on SmackDown, but... Yeah, it'll be that interesting would be to see. awesome. I'd be all up for Alistair Black coming back to the UK. Um, right. But if if with the restrictions of COVID, I can't see Walter losing it anytime soon because there's no one in no. the UK right now who could actually take it off him. Not at all. Yeah, but I mean, I'm in I'm in no rush for him to lose the title no. anyways. Like, so. <laughs> give him it for a thousand days, you know, two thousand yeah. days. Give him the longest reign ever. I don't have care. him fabulous moolah this shit. Have, yeah. have him break her record so that we don't need to mention her name. <laughs> and what's her record? Like 50 years? I think it's like 27 years. Ah, that, that something can, like that. That can be done. Yeah, you know, because he'll be what? How old is he now? He's got to be almost 40, he, right? No, he's Walter's 30, 32. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. He, I know he has he that kind about of 40. You don't. You can't tell if he's nineteen or fifty. <laughs> he's one or the other. Not nowhere in between. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God, I can't wait for Walter in progress. God damn. Oh God, that, I mean, I, I was there at the um, Super Strong Style eighteen, um, mm-hmm. where Walter was the the champion, and I honestly, his match with uh, Trent Seven was one of the best I've seen live. Uh, so yeah. you're in for a treat when you get to later chapters. Because Walter's work is just some of the best I've ever seen. Beautiful, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for it, for sure. But uh, that brings us to the main event. The Progress staff is on the line. We have the champion, Jimmy Havoc, defending it in a fatal four-way versus El Ligero, Marty Skrull, and Rampage Brown. Uh, right, first, thing, first things first. I can't stress how much I hate pre-villain Marty Skrull. You don't like Party Marty? Party Marty is the worst. <laughs> Man, I, 
I, I hated that gimmick so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's to the point where I actually like erased out of my mind that he was ever Party Marty. To me, it's just always been the villain now. So when yeah. I was watching this again, I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> how did this guy ever become the villain? <laughs> it's it's crazy because I'm with you. I, I thought he, had, he just started as the villain. And I, I turned on chapter one a few months ago and he's out there. He's even more of like a departure from the villain then because he had like a shaved head and a clean face. And it was just a completely different presentation. Have you ever seen the the clip of uh, Party Marty Skell on the British dating show that he was on? No, oh, I have okay. not. So this is game show where there's all these single women and all... Like, it's not Love and, Island, is it? No, it's not Love Island. It's oh, worse. Damn. Um, there's all these single ladies, about 30 of them, and a guy comes out and starts talking about himself, and then the girls decide, okay, yeah, I'd like to date you, I'd like to date you, and then it windles down to maybe one or two girls, and then Marty gets to choose which one he goes on a date with. And mm-hmm. Marty comes out and says, hey, girls, I'm a pro wrestler. And about 25 of the girls just turn the lights off and say, no, I don't want to go on a date with this guy. <laughs> and I don't think he ended up getting a date in the end. Uh, but he was guy. Party Marty at the time. And I think that was one of the reasons I hated him because I was just like, this guy's just an idiot. But yeah, uh, luckily he turned it around with the villain gimmick. But right. uh, this never worked for me. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough one. Um, and then, uh, so we have Jim Smallman. And he introduces the challengers first, because as we kind of alluded to earlier, there's a whole thing with Jimmy Havoc and he's kind of, you know, a menace in progress, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Like he threatened to light Mark Andrews on fire in order to get a title match. What a nice Mark Andrews. What a guy. What a what a what an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how he won the title. So he's pretty much holding progress hostage in a way. But um, so Jim Smallman, he doesn't even want to introduce Jimmy Havoc and Havoc comes out with the London riots. And he basically uh Smallman says, if you, if these guys don't leave, I'm stripping you of the title. And then, so they leave and it's uh it's a no DQ match, I guess, cause it's a fatal four way. And that <laughs> it cracked me up the match the, the bell rings. And then Marty Skrull just immediately cracks Jimmy Havoc in the back with a chair. Yeah. Great shit. Um, just another, another chaotic match here for sure. It was a really good spot where um, I believe it was Mike Skell ended up in the lap of somebody in the crowd. Um, yeah. He, he got kicked to the outside and ends up in the lap of um, one of the fans and starts like gyrating on the fan. And I was like, again, just something that wouldn't happen <laughs> yeah. nowadays, but um, right. actually got a pop out of me. Uh, I mean, I didn't like the character as such, but it was fun in this match. The the contrast right. of say Jimmy Havoc, who might slit your throat at a moment's notice. And then Party mm-hmm. Marty Skell, who's like the happy-go-lucky, fun-loving character. Um, mm-hmm. And El Ligero, I mean, I can't remember like where they're at in this chapter, but he has a great heel run too, which we never thought would happen. Yeah. Because he was always the, the biggest babyface in the country. So to mm-hmm. see him do the heel work with Nathan down the line is a treat. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just, I enjoyed this match, actually. I did too. It was like very... Um... Like I said, it was chaos, but it was controlled chaos in a way where everything seemed like it made sense, but not to the point where it felt choreographed, which I feel like a lot of matches like this tend to feel like. It felt like a fight between yeah. four guys. Um, there is a, a couple crazy spots. I mean, there, there is a spot where Jimmy Havoc sets up a bunch of chairs on the outside. 
But then like Marty Skrull tries to do a Death Valley driver off the apron through the chairs. But ultimately, Havoc ends up doing a double stomp through <laughs> Skrull through the chairs. Um, they're... <laughs> The, the powerbomb spot with Rampage onto Havoc. If anybody, anybody listening, if you've seen Brock Lesnar do it to Spike, where it's like multiple powerbombs, you know, you powerbomb them, lift them up, or like the old Chris Jericho move. It was this, but it was like 10 times. Like the, Rampage damn near drove Jimmy Havoc through the ring yeah. with these powerbombs. I don't know how he was alive after it, it. It was an awful noise it made every time he hit the ring. And I'm guessing that wasn't, a soft ring either because it hmm. looked like you said it looked like he nearly died with every single power bomb. So all right. Well you would think a smaller ring there'd be more tension in the yeah. mat, which would make it feel harder, you know, just guessing. So <laughs> I couldn't have felt <laughs> couldn't have felt good at all. Um are there any particular aspects of this match that caught your eye? Uh, more Jimmy's heel work I thought was great. Yeah. Um like I said I I'm not massive not a massive fan of Jimmy Havoc, but in this match, he played that great foil for the other three where it made you think yeah. like they could get the win at any point, which I think a good heel champion should do is be vulnerable enough where you think the face might win. And at yeah. every point, I felt like Rampage, Laguerre, you know, I felt like they could have won at any point. And even Marty to a degree, I know he does eventually win, but... Um, later down the line. But even mm-hmm. for Marty at this point, I thought he could have won. Um, so yeah, to see Jimmy win at the end, you're kind of like, oh, you son of a bitch, you know? Right. So it made you more angry that he won at the end. But it was, like you said, it, it's hard to do a fatal four-way where it does actually seem like a fight. This one mm-hmm. did. And everybody got a chance to shine. So I thought this is one yes. of the strongest progress main events to this point. Because I know we're only early on in the chapters, but mm-hmm. this was the one where you actually start to see like there is more than one star in the company. There's quite a few people who could be champion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, I mean, this is the, the main event of the show. So they're like destroying everything. They're, everybody's getting thrown into the chairs that are ringside. Um, at some point, there's just a bunch of chairs getting thrown into the ring. It feels like old school ECW. Yeah. Uh, there's a spot where Rampage gives a superplex to Laguerre onto this pile of chairs. That didn't look good, did it? That that looked like it really sucked to take. I don't think there's an easy way to no, take there isn't that. You're, you're going to hit an edge <laughs> or, a, or a, a prong of some sort and get stabbed a little bit, but that comes with the territory, I guess. Um, but yeah, Havoc wins in such a dickish way. So Rampage hits a massive pile driver onto Marty Skrull. Havoc comes in. Hits Rampage with a chair and picks the bones, pins Marty Skrull, retains his staff. That's what I mean by you were so angry at the end because it was such a chicken shit yeah. deal way of winning, you know. Like he, he was, didn't deserve it. He yeah. didn't deserve it. Yeah, which is great for really? you, <laughs> yeah. like you said. Um, but Rampage is, is, not, is none too pleased with this. So he attacks Jimmy Havoc after with a uh, a chair shot followed by a pile driver and then um jim smallman gets in the ring he's kind of talking shit <laughs> to jimmy havoc which cracked me up and he said uh, he has a plan b which brings out mark andrews and as i mentioned earlier mark andrews was the previous champion you know mm-hmm. he won the natural progression series he cashed in right away he beat rampage with a small package he won the title and then jimmy havoc comes out and basically steals it from him 
And so this is basically setting up the rematch between these two at the next chapter, but it'll be in a ladder match, mm-hmm. which will, uh, I'm sure will be great. Mark Andrews versus Jimmy Havoc. Mm-hmm. I um, think I remember, I, it's been a while, but that was a good match. It's just that, like I said, Jimmy's uh, reign in general was just awesome. All the matches yeah. were really good. The promos are really good. So I'm sure you'll enjoy the rest of the chapters coming after this because it was some of the best work I've seen for a British championship reign in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'd say even up to Walter now, I think Walter's is the best ever in the UK, best title right. reign. But after that, it'd be Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, he's just such a great character. Um, he, he makes He stands out among yeah. the rest. Like you can truly... It's easy to hate him. Yeah, absolutely. Easy. And he does, especially nowadays. He, he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that closes the show. Uh, the first chapter in this ballroom here. Um, as, as as overall, this chapter, chapter twelve, uh, thoughts, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'd say overall, thumbs up. I think there were some great yeah. matches. I love the work of Zach Gibson. Um, always good to see Nathan and Rampage. Really good show, but a few weak links like with the Grado match, but I get you need to have the comedy. <laughs> yeah. um, not many botches or anything in the matches. Uh, you know, everything was no. pretty clean. So, yeah, I'd say it was a good match. Prob- strongest main event to this point, but I wouldn't say it was the strongest show to this point. And yeah. there's definitely better ones coming. So what mm-hmm. did you think of it? Is this the first time you've watched Progress Through? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, what are you so, thinking of it so far? Like, is would you say this is one of the strongest shows you've seen? Or, um, that's a good question. I, I would say it's up there. Um, just because you know, I mean, from, from the get go, just the visual upgrade, it was very striking to me. Yeah. Um, like the, the tag match, I loved. Um, even like Grado versus Manson, I had a few chuckles in it. Um, there were, I mean, there was, there wasn't anything bad on this show. It felt like a very chaotic show. Like it, it was either like a, a multi-man match or a, a hardcore match, or you know, you have Catherine Rose getting involved and getting, you know, asking for her tits to come out and getting power bombs and yeah. all that shit. <laughs> and then you have like a, a match like Tommy End versus Paul Robinson, which is great, but it was only like a few minutes. And yeah, the crowd was rabid the whole time. It was a fun watch for sure. This is one of the shows where you can actually see that progress has long-term stories um, planned out, which again, wasn't something that a lot of UK promotions had. Uh, Progress really did come in and you could see they had feuds and storylines planned out from the start for everybody. Mm -hmm. And title reigns, that they knew what they were going to do months in advance. And you can see that with Jimmy's reign. So again, mm-hmm. another thing that made progress stand out was the fact that they had long-term storytelling from the start, right? which not many people did. So kudos to them because it definitely worked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of stuff on the show. It feels like there's more you know, to come, which yeah. is not a bad thing because it'll make you want to keep watching. So all in all, I, I had fun watching it for sure. It's it an easy watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, once again, thank you for making the time to uh, to watch the show. Not Come a problem, on, dude. discuss it's it. It's been fun uh, reminiscing about progress. Uh, you know, if ever you get to super strong style tournaments, you want someone on, give me a shout because I might have been to them and I'm more than happy to give my uh, first-hand opinion on the shows. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can be a good go-to because you're clearly an expert on this stuff. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I can remember what's happened. I only watched it like a few hours ago and I'm like, 
you were telling me the end of the match and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can remember like, uh, you know, I, I, I do think progress is still good. I just don't think it's got the magic it had at these early chapters. And that's one thing that stood out to me. Uh, yeah. You know, the, these early chapters up until, well, maybe last year or the year before, progress was a, the, the best product. And I just, I don't mm -hmm. think it is now, which is a shame. But yeah. you're definitely in for a treat with these next ones. I often compare it to Ring of Honor here in the States, where because I'm more familiar with that and kind of their early years and where they are now. Yeah. And there's definitely like a magic that gets lost. I don't know if it's because they get too popular or if it's just, you know, people move on. No, you, you're right. So, it, I, yeah. I'd agree with that. Uh, Ring of Honor was the first indie promotion I ever watched. Um, mm -hmm. It's to, to be honest with you, I'm more of an American indie fan than I'm a British wrestling fan. It's, yeah, I've always got a, you know, a soft spot for the American Indies um, and Ring of Honor. It started off as like this gritty underground, mm -hmm. uh, people just showing up for a fight kind of promotion, and then it kind of became too polished when they signed with Sinclair, yes. and it became mainstream rather than like this alternative to WWE. And I think that's kind of what made them lose the magic. And that's this, yeah. the exact same things happen with Progress because now they're affiliated with WWE. How can you become mm -hmm. Rock if you're affiliated right. with the biggest company in the world? Yeah, it's that underground feeling you get when you're experiencing it. Yeah. And when, once that's lost, it's hard to get it back. That's it. But yeah, it is what it is. So always go back and enjoy it for what it was. That's it. Yeah, obviously. And that's why Demand Progress is such a great service. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, where can thank you once again for coming on? Where can everybody find you and uh Ringsiders? They can find me on Twitter at Hoochhausen, and they can find Ringsiders at Ringsiders Pod on Twitter, Ringsiders Wrestling on Instagram, and Ringsiders Wrestling on YouTube. Hell yeah, man. Lots of great interviews. You guys are always pumping out content. Thank and, you, man. Um, Much appreciated. And like I said, big fan of your work. I was really happy when you asked if I want to come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen you work before. It's really good. Um, so if ever you do want us back on, uh, just let us know. Absolutely. I'll have to bring you on for uh, maybe a Ring of Honor episode sometime down the road. Awesome. 2002, 2003, you something like that. But uh, hell yeah, man. Once again, thank you to Callum from the Ringsiders podcast. Awesome, awesome time with him talking about progress here. Once again... All his info in the description below at Hoochhausen on Twitter. Follow Ringsiders at Ringsiders Pod on Twitter. And uh, yeah, follow me at Apron Bump, etc. All of my info is in the description as well. Be sure to check out the YouTube video version. Yeah, that's what's on YouTube is videos. <laughs> check out the, uh, the video version of this podcast on YouTube is a relatively new uh, thing that I've brought to the podcast. But if you want to see our beautiful, beautiful faces, talk about Madman Manson's balls and uh, Zach Gibson's uh, deteriorating hairline. If you want to watch us talk about it, <laughs> go check that out. I have a bunch of clips on YouTube as well. A lot of them with uh, clips of these shows. So Go check that out and subscribe to me on YouTube if you have not already. Next week, we got some Ring of Honor for you. Glory by Honor 2002. So subscribe 
if that's something that tickles your pickle. And if you enjoy these progress reviews and you want to get caught up, if you've just discovered me and you want to get caught up on my progress reviews, go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab at the top, select progress, and it will lay out all of my progress episodes that I have done one through 12. So binge away and kiss your mother, slap my ass, call me Susan. Thank you guys once again for listening. I'm hard. Yeah.